Go on. <laughs> morning, everyone. Welcome to the Saturday morning show. How are you, Jim? I absolutely fantastic. Blooming rentals, I'll tell you. <laughs> Just going to say, so this week's blog and today's show is titled uh, Blooming Rentals. So grow your returns in the garden, boom, with stylish outdoor upgrades. Um, and it's funny, gardens, um, obviously gardens are a sticky subject sometimes with landlords and have been for a while, but I think that has changed. And uh, not so long ago, many landlords did see gardens as a bit of a liability um, and ten tenants weren't exactly uh, clamouring for them either. And landlords were convinced they had uh, to be handed back an, overgr an overgrown jungle of weeds. And that's always what we, the, the fear for landlords. Uh, and one thing that's really important about inspections is checking the gardens maintained. But as the, uh, as the uh, pandemic produced a revolution in demand and the appreciation from outs uh, for outside space across the country, um, it's a trend that's never gone away. That's never gone away with gardens and balconies firmly on the non-negotiable. Um, and it's a uh, many tenants in Fife, and more than that, they are willing to pay a little bit extra for the privilege of a garden. And I think if you've got an outside space, they will pay a premium for yep. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they will pay a premium for that now. And I mean, it's not the greatest subject we want to talk about, but it is a really relevant subject now. Um, yeah. and especially when now we're into spring and summer where the gardens just burst. The, yeah. You know, they're basically on they're on a race to the to the sky um, with the grass and the uh, the weeds even and stuff like yeah. that and and while we're wow and this is where people forget it's like you do get the odd call from the next door neighbor saying their garden's overgrown it's yeah. like go, go and just just mention it to them that's what you would do normally if somebody owned their own house and that's how you should be treating people that rent property as mm -hmm. if they own that house at that point in time because effectively they do they've got tenureship and they've got the the responsibility for that house um and you should treat them like that because then that becomes, you almost become the prior and the alienation as being a tenant. I mean, it used to be years ago, if you were a tenant, you were looked at, you know, as if to say, oh, you're a tenant. But now yeah. it's a really professionalized uh, situation. Yes. Um, and and now it's like tenancies, uh, the generation rents appeared and, mm -hmm. and uh, private rent and tenancy is now a professional, professionalized circuit. I mean, 30 years ago, I st when I started, I talked about it being, it's like, it was like being the Wild West. Um, <laughs> yeah. You used to get phone calls from people saying, hey, um, is, is that your house next door? Because that new kitchen that you put in, they're dismantling it and putting it in the back of the van right now. And I'm like, what? We were speaking about that earlier in the weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and people might think the gardens maybe isn't the most important topic to be covering, but I think it is, especially when you've been through the whole process of managing a property and, and looking after it and if you're a landlord or a managed agent you'll realize the importance of keeping track of the garden and things but a couple of good mornings so uh good morning andrea thanks good for morning. joining us uh morning kev and good morning linda i'd be interested in linda's take on this because linda's obviously her her is refurbishing and uh, and then sell on and and improve and add significant value to a property so clearly linda would be heavily involved in landscape gardening and stuff like that yeah. as well and um, with, uh, with what she does with property flips because she's really really good at it. well any views linda please jump in the comments then we will uh we'll bring them on live and have a wee chat if you want to uh, raise any topics with regards to gardens and your rental property um so how can you reap the greatest rewards from your outside space uh and and your buy to let and how do you match your garden or balconies to the right kinds of tenants now this week's blog and, and into today's show we're going to dig deep from tiny patios to family lawns and stylish luxury upgrades. 
uh, and you could use these designs uh, and planting tips um, for an in-demand garden to maximise your rent and improve the value of your investment. Uh, Linda's just jumped back in here to say. That's it. We're we're all all garden like another room, definitely. We can just that go like home now. <laughs> <laughs> It's true though, and I think like the pandemic and, and things has made people appreciate their own outside space because we were all obviously locked indoors for such a long time and it did become an extension of your house and people were starting yeah. to use it as another living space and it becomes so important and people were, but that's what I think a, a big impact on the demand and the increase in demand was people obviously were wanting to upsize to the extra room and then upsize to a, a property with a bigger garden or more outside space uh, through the pandemic and that all that all played in uh, a yeah. part of the uh, the demand that just peaked. Uh, I mean, I mean, Richard, the, the, the perfect bike garden is beautiful and really easy to care for. Uh, the well, magic combination yeah. comes from using, well, plants and, and materials that you can easily replace or replenish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what examples are you thinking yourself about what, what that could be? I think, um, like you say, low maintenance, but obviously planting like perennials and evergreens, um, so you've got that year after year, like bloom in a garden and things that are, I mean, evergreens and things will keep a garden looking, obviously, uh, fresh all year round rather than have the mean plants that are really high maintenance and things. Um, yeah. It's yeah. more in the sunny sizzle and uh, shady chic session that we're, uh, section that we're going to talk about. Um, and a wee while that covers that a lot more. But that is... Um, that's what I would say, obviously, to keep a garden low maintenance and have plants that are there maybe all year round or predominantly the most of the year and are low maintenance. Um, and hedging and climbers um, uh, give weathered walls and fences and things a better look. Can, and paint um, for easy replacing and refreshing uh, in case they are uh, discontinued uh, or out of stock. So uh, keep, like, obviously, your slabs and tiles and paint and things that you've got. Um, that you're putting down get extras and keep them uh, aside that's that's a good tip as well because if you're going to pave something or, or put things up then have extras to obviously um look at obviously replacing them throughout the year if they need to if that needs done and sometimes when you buy things and then you'll get so many and then they'll be the weed is continued and then you've not got as much left to, to replace them with. so keep it some extras if you've got space to do that yeah yeah Things like uh, those fences, um, walls. I mean, you know, wall. I mean, the, the great thing about some of the walls, and people don't realise in fences as well, is a lot of the times, um, you know, people just go, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just paint it. And yeah, you can paint it, and it is quite low maintenance, but some, for some walls, they're actually quite porous. So the mm-hmm. paint look absolutely fantastic. So it takes a lot to put it on it. So actually putting reading and stuff like that around it, you know, pin it on like reeds all the way around, reading. Yeah and bamboo possibly all the way along and maybe planters or something like that um it's like what you said and then you can you, you have if you have got plants that will grow up the walls now you have to obviously do you know kind of low maintenance plants because there's, there's these like ivy plants it's like the next minute five years later your whole yeah. house is covered um so you know a, a wee top tip in order to get rid of ivy plants if your whole house is covered if you've, if you've got that right now and you've maybe bought a house like that um, is actually just cut the bottom of the plants the stems yeah. at the bottom so, so it actually doesn't get any more feeding. Uh, and then what happens is everything rots up the top and then it's easy actually to take off. Because if you try to take off when it, and it's prime, you're going to struggle. It's possibly mm-hmm. going to leave a lot of residue, plus the fact um, it might actually um, damage your brickwork and brick the, sto- uh, the stonework as well. Eh? 
So so it's all different things you could use. Um, exterior lighting is actually quite good. Um, lighting's a big thing, I think. It, yeah, and it changes the whole. Classic example is if you're sitting in different areas of your garden at night. So think about think about as as what Linda said. It's like another room, uh, mm-hmm. and if it's a really warm night, um, is there a place you could sit in your garden where you have a bit of privacy? Um, and you don't have much wind, uh, and then you could maybe have lighting, or you could maybe have a, a patio heater, or, or a, a chimney, or something like that. that people could use to to sit with, and uh, and just relax and enjoy themselves outdoors for a change, because um, yeah. it is it is quite popular, and it had it has become quite popular because it was the only thing that we can do. So in in, in lockdown and in pandemic, and so when you when you look at that, these habits have actually uh, stayed with us. It takes a lot to change them again. So everybody's still in, 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 used to that, you know, sitting outside um, and enjoying the, the garden and then just joining the, uh, the nighttime. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a big difference to do that. Um, solar power, powered, you know, uh, units and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan. You know, I didn't care about you, but maybe I just buy it cheap. Um, but they, they tend to break all the time. Or they, or well, that's funny. They don't, they don't work. It's funny you should say that, and it's solar, it's solar powered lights and things. I'm not a big fan of them either. They, they last for so long, but I've actually just myself bought some, um, and I've run the solar power lights up the middle. We had a, a border between the, the the houses, and it was it was a pain to cut and weed and whatever. But so yeah. I chipped them all, and I put uh, I put lighting right up at the middle fence, and it's uh, they were about seven ninety nine. Um, but they've actually got proper bulbs in them, but they're plastic, mm-hmm. uh, and they're solar powered and they're brilliant. And you see at night time, it just lights up the middle of the garden, it's, it's perfect. And something like that, it's low maintenance, so I've chipped it all, don't need to do anywhere, it looks nice. Uh, and that's the type of thing you should be looking at. Problem is, problem is when you come at winter, <laughs> there's no sun. <laughs> that's true. But uh, for seven ninety nine each, I'm, no, nice I'm, not exact, this <laughs> I'm not an exact expert on this, okay? But I yeah. think you get certain amount of uh, type of lighting It has bigger charging units, yeah. you know, possibly. And maybe bigger sort of batteries to retain more, retain more power when when it does have the odd day where in winter and autumn and that where you can get a bit of sunshine um, to it. So it, it's maybe something you want to research. Um, mm-hmm. Another one as well is when you've obviously got uh, lighting outside, you could switch on manually, but you also have the the sensors. Um, I don't know. Again, I've had the same similar situation. So a couple more sensors are actually going on and off quickly. They're not recognising it anymore. And I only just put them in a couple of years ago. And yeah. I kind of thinking, you know, um, I mean, I'm no, it's the electrician that's buying them. Um, so it's no me um, going for cheapest chips on this, this occasion. Um, but I just I just find that a lot of these things, I don't know if anybody else has that experience, where they have, you know, they've got solar lights and they've got maybe um, sensor light sensors and that. And they tend to get that same problem as well uh, after just a short period of time. The, they, start to, they start to be intermittently problematic. And I kind of thinking, you know, oh God, it's like um, maybe it is a case that you just buy, you buy cheap, you you know, you get what you expect. Pay peanut, you get pay peanuts, you get yeah. monkeys. You know, yeah, that's I, mean, the expression. I think I think uh, there is there, there is an element of truth in that. If you pay a wee bit more, I think you're you're going to have a better quality and it will last a bit longer. Um, so yeah, but lighting's quite important. I think it does set a mood and sets a tone. Um, and if you can incorporate that and. Uh, into your garden, then that's fine. You've got to make it really easy, though, when you when we're, when we're looking at this, to make it really easy for your tenants to maintain this, because if yes. you do give them a lot of stuff to do, then you're basically giving them another job, and 
and that that's not going to be great. So uh, uh, this all has to be pretty low maintenance. This is why we yeah. talked about reading around walls in case it's, you have to continually do them. This is why we talked about because uh, I mean it's easy to take the reading off, chuck it in the bin, and put new reading on. Yeah. Um, but reading actually lasts for a long, long time. Um, you, you know the paving as well is quite important, and then and possibly even consider. Um, provided you've got good drainage, um, uh, um, you know, cementing in between the in between the cracks, so you actually don't get the 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 comeback of the weeds and everything like that. Because a lot of people yeah. just sand it, and then as a as a result of that, is you know, you know yourself, it starts to come back with the weeds and everything. Yeah. Um, if you are going to get weeds, one of the top tips that Perry actually said was, uh, why do you know just put geraniums, you know, like seeds in your I in the cracks? Yeah. And and yeah. possibly that might be an opportunity to 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 benefit from there as well. Eh? Yeah, it would look nicer than just weeds. <laughs> anyway, it's and easily maintained and, and, and easily maintained yeah. for somebody to look after. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrea's jumped in here. Just Andrea, uh, thanks for your comment. The the basis of that is obviously low maintenance again, and obviously towards um, an, an area of lawn and things for dogs and kids and things. We do touch on that just later on as in in here, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but I thought we look at a. Uh, petite patios and bijou balconies uh, and how to do uh, small areas uh, and make them uh, and utilize uh, make them to be able to utilize by tenants and, and you can't do it anymore like i've got a balcony and i've never touched it in 15 years and it's falling apart you can't even walk out the top window <laughs> you'll fall I've, I've, I've often wondered do you, you never walk out and use that jim is it just no, I, we moved into a house and the best room in the house is that big massive master bedroom with that beautiful balcony uh, the the patio doors open and you can sit there and have a cup of coffee and overlook the glen. Yeah, because it look it will look right. And, up, and, yeah. and we've never had that room. Ben got it, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't go out. And you know who uses it? The cat. The cat, <laughs> or cats? Uh. Yeah, cats. Multiple. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> I have often wondered about that whether he's actually used it or not. But anyway, no, you often see Tigger walking about the room, the roof at some point in time. It's like up in the roof, just wandering about. Uh, you'll find you'll find as well. Uh, parents often have to give up the big room to their kids. <laughs> so. It's it's it, when you think it was never like that for us. It's like we got shoehorned into a room, the two of us, my brother and I, and and oh, yeah, our, I left the house. Yeah. Basically, that was it. We were we shared a room, uh, and we were at one end. And and uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to I'm not expecting harps and tears and other <laughs> but, but um, or or violins and tears, um, but. We had to, it was like cum ceilings, you know, on either side and you had the bay window yeah. in the middle. Mm -hmm. We actually had two single beds on either side of the cum ceilings. So if you got up too quick, you'd hit your head on the cum ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's how we grew up until the day we left the house and got our own yeah. houses. Um, so all these people out there, um, yeah. uh, you know, they, they almost like, um, what is it? They, I can't mind what you call it. The something culture. The the right. No, they have a right to everything. Right? Like, I, I feel I have a right to have everything. I'm oh, getting okay. I'm showing my age now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Entitled. Aye, the entitlement culture. Get up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up sharing a room with my brother, bunk beds, so I feel that. Um, but yeah, they, there are a lot of entitled people now who do get bigger rooms and things, and, and parents think that's the way it is, and that's up to them. Uh, but it was different. I was going to say it was different back in my day, but it was different and back in your age. Then we go back and we moan about that generation, and it's like, well, wait a minute, you actually gave them the bedroom. 
<laughs> Why do you expect them to think any different? That's how it was, what you taught them. <laughs> yeah, Andrea, we got we got there eventually, but yeah, entitled is the word. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so patios and balconies. So you don't need a massive garden um, to give uh, a big personality. And stylish small spaces can pack a lot of punch uh, and can be a hit with tenants. Um, fill a few corners uh, with hardy perennial flowers, then cover the soil with much uh, mulch to discourage weeds and things. Well, that's that's another obviously option to try and discourage weeds and keep it low maintenance. Jazz up concrete patios with uh, paving for a classic uh, sandy coloured slab uh, to a modern uh, of a uh, striking black uh, stone. Uh, again, obviously, all these options are low maintenance. Um, for balconies, try uh, lightweight external tiles and decking. And IKEA, which I'm actually going tomorrow, uh, they have a brilliant range this year. Sorry, oh, IKEA. Oh my God, you like IKEA? I'm taking my mum. <laughs> she's just she's just got a new kitchen and she wants bits and pieces. And I was like, oh, I'll take you through. So. I just like I just feel like I need to throw myself off the nearest bridge. It <laughs> <laughs> would be a better option. I hate IKEA, but... Um, you didn't you didn't come across as the shot type gym anyway, so <laughs> it's like a military exercise for me, right? Plan exactly what I want, where I want it, where I'm going for it, how much it's gonna cost, job done. Job done. Um that is it. In and out gone. I even did that with the car recently we were getting for the company. I just walked in and goes, That's the car I want, right? Get the paperwork done. He was like, Oh, you know what, no, just get it done. And he was like, he was just sitting in there in disbelief. James was like, like, I can't believe this. You just walk in and say, I'm buying a car, and then we're off. Oh, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a hard sale there then. <laughs> no, as if it was just a, a casual thing. It's like, I'll just ha I'll have that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, places like IKEA and that have got a brilliant range and include like stunning geometric designs and things. And I think that all comes in to keep them on trend, um, like all this geometric style and. Uh, shades and things and it, it pays to, to stay on trend as a landlord and, and things with your property so uh, yeah the wonderful thing about patios and balconies though is how quickly you can create something truly memorable uh, and you could have an instagrammable space in a matter of hours yeah this is really interesting because this is really interesting talking about an instagrammable space because i was reading an article uh Yesterday, I was looking. At, I was just looking through stuff for a wealth creation show on Monday, uh, and I come across this article about uh, the percentage of people who look, uh, who obviously when they get their new property, it's right on Instagram. Um, so that people are now obviously meeting, whether it's bathrooms or kitchens, and the design, and it's all this geometric on-trend style, so that people could come in, jump right on Instagram, and, and Instagram their, their new place and the new pad or whatever. Um, and it's just it's obviously modern culture. It, it creates a lot of pressure for people that don't understand. It's like just just embrace the Instagram, you know. Just, yeah. just you know, if you like it, you like it, but don't feel mm. pressured to actually mimic it. You know, yeah. it's no a race. It's no. We had. I remember when we grew up, you know, in East Links. It was like there was two doors up, and every time my dad got something, this person two doors up had to get something better. My dad got a caravan, a new caravan, and then suddenly two weeks later, this person got a new caravan. And then at some point in time, the, the bankrupt person came along, the sheriff officers came along <laughs> and repossessed their house and took everything back. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's that's exactly, and that lesson sticks with me today. Yeah. It's like, oh my, don't don't try and keep up with somebody because you try don't keep up understand with the where they are. They're often broke at a different level and, yeah. and they're, they're literally at the wire. And, and while they look the part, 
um, there's certainly no the part, and it's the old expression, and I'll get it in again when the tide mm-hmm. goes out. We're going to see who's swimming naked. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange thing that, like you say, obviously trying to mimic what somebody else does, and and it's, I, I always wonder what people's thought process is in that. Um, it's 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 just it's it's we like we it makes them feel better. Yeah, that's how people do it. I mean, psychology. I'm studied it for years and read so many books about it but it it gives you that instant dopamine hit up here which actually makes absolutely i mean that's what we crave as human beings so it makes you feel absolutely fantastic so when you get likes on your posts and everything like that you just get these instant hits every single time and you become addicted to it every single time and you'll find you're addicted to it because what you'll do is you'll go back and you'll look through all the list of people that liked it or didn't like it and you'll be more upset about the people that didn't like it, and you'll be thinking, "Why did they not like it?" That's you craving dopamine. Yeah. You don't under, you don't realize it's a, it's a normal human instinct and interaction <laughs> to want because it is a really good drug in your yeah. brain. You know, it's it's natural, um, so that's what we crave as human beings, and that's what Instagram gives you. That's what Facebook gives you, and and they play on that as a result, and that's why they have the likes and the comments and the shares, whereas. I gave up on that years ago because it doesn't doesn't make any difference for me at all. There could be no one watching this show and I would still be enjoying myself and what I'm doing because that's yeah. why I do it, because I enjoy it. And, it. and it hones and develops my skills in terms of what I'm doing right now and mm-hmm. broadcasting live all the time, which helps me in everything else I do. Um, so that's the key here. Um, coming back to the balcony thing, I mean, you know, the balcony stuff, um, I would probably try and do it as low maintenance as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and probably using composite rather than actually timber, you know, for yeah. decking and stuff, because we've got a bit of decking in our balcony, but I don't think composite actually existed at that time when we got it. It wasn't really popular and it wasn't really thought of. Um, so, you know, I would be probably changing that to composite. Um, the railing, we've got an old timber thing. It's all falling apart and yeah. um, some of the uh, poles have fallen out, have fallen out. There's literally nothing left it, to be honest. Um, and and I was thinking about maybe getting somebody to put a, either a glass with stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to wash that and clean that all the time, or possibly even a proper ornamental metal railing. Um, but then yeah. again, you've got to spray that or paint it at some point in time. So it's just these things that you need to do. But they all need to be done at some point in time. But as a as a tenant's property, um, then you've got to go for the low maintenance thing as as low maintenance as possible. But yeah. when it comes to balconies, uh, make sure they're safe as well. Yeah. I've seen somebody lean on a. I've I've lent on. I've lent on a decking and just fallen over. <laughs> when the paint yeah, I mean, collapsed. <laughs> very very early on um, in my careers and and lettings and things, and it was your ones, Jim. The 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 railings at uh, the ones in Taylor Street, man. Uh, we've had a few instances with that where we've had to make sure they were safe because um, that leaves you wide open to obviously potential. Issues if people are people or children were to hurt themselves and things on these metal railings. Yeah. Uh, I think you've got a story with one of them, but uh, maybe for another time. But I tried to believe us, and it ended up their child was <laughs> climbing on the outside <laughs> the fence and fell off. It wasn't it? Wasn't it on the inside and fell off? <laughs> yeah, but there's been a, there's been a few instances where we've had to uh, get them fixed before something happens. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, make sure that that's, sure that's, that's, that's the beauty of ongoing inspections of making sure that you do inspections on a on a on a regular basis just to make sure because it's no every time that your standards are matched with the person living in the property. 
it's yeah. just one of these things and and it's just human nature that's who we are um and it's difficult for some landlords even to detach themselves from that and the fact that they <laughs> think everybody should live to their standard and if their yeah. standard is extremely high when a tenant moves into their property they often fall out with the tenant straight away because they're not living to their standard and it's like well wait a minute you're only renting them a house you're renting them a house, and once you rent it to them in exchange for money, um, that's the end of your relationship with them. It is their house from now on. Your yeah. obligation after that is just to make sure it's wind and watertight and, and takes account of the repairing standard act and, and possibly make sure, and you obviously make sure, antisocial behaviour and they look after the property and pay the rent. That's it, really. Um, and, and point people in the right direction. Often it's, uh, again, we come back to saying, you know, I can get, I can take away from that a wee bit, where everybody thinks that we should be doing that for them and making sure they live to our standard or the landlord's standard. And it's yeah. like, no, really, no, that's that's called harassment. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and, and it's difficult for some 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 people kind of accept the fact that people do live differently. Um, and, I mean, I have seen all, all arrays of uh, people feel walks of life and how they live and, and things, and it's just that's the way it is. And you have to allow people to live, and you can't, uh, and you shouldn't try and micromanage how people live in their property. This is why the government legislation is coming in, you know, where yeah. they're trying to propose that, you know, you should have a full entitlement. You can't say anything about it if anybody wants to keep pets on a property. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be kiboshed. Um, and that, but that's because of the, you know, the, the small minority that take that as umbrage and think, oh, you're not meant to have pets. And, and it's mm. like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, you've got to understand at some point in time that they should be allowed to have pets, but then they have to rectify any damage that the pet does as a result of it. That's the nature of the contractual relationship. Yeah. But you shouldn't be saying to someone, no, you're not allowed pets, because that then is a right for them. So you're actually stopping them for their rights to have a pet. Anyway, we're, again, we're digressing. I tell you, can I tell you, this show would, wouldn't it? <laughs> be a lot longer than you thought, because it goes on to different subjects in, in, in yeah. education. It's not just about gardens. It's about things that could affect other things, and it leads on to other other stories and other examples about what we've experienced in the past. Um, mm -hmm. the, the classic is, you know, they go on holiday for two weeks as well. Uh, the, the grass grows up within that period of time because it does grow pretty quick in some places. Yeah, some and then you know, the neighbours are on the phone saying, oh, they're grass in their garden. It's like, well, they've been on, they're on holiday for two weeks. Um, and, and it's like, oh, I know, I know that. And it's like, well, if you know that, why? How they, They're not going to be able to cut it, are they? <laughs> you want me to phone them up for Spain and tell them to come back? And cut their <laughs> you have to come back early. Your grass is too long. But yeah, live and, live and let live. I think that's, a, that's the key what thing. About, well. What about uh, family-friendly gardens? What can we do here, Richard? Yeah, well, that, that uh, Angela, uh, Andrea, sorry, this is uh, your point that you brought up about family-friendly gardens. And... Um, families want a garden that's a real multitasker uh, and a safe place for the children to play, uh, hang out with their friends and somewhere for parents to relax and unwind as well. So quite uh, obviously if it's family gardens they're going to need to be a wee bit bigger uh, and they usually are obviously if, you, if you're looking at family homes, three and four bedrooms, semi-detached properties and things, yeah. really typical. Um, you'll, have a, you'll have a fair size rear garden and, and these different areas, obviously lawn for the kids or pets like we say and then a patio area and things for um, for uh, the, the parents and things to enjoy. Lawns um, for me and family homes are essential. I yeah. think that's a key thing. 
because you know the classic is like you know I, I often go around some properties, not rental properties, but just properties for sale, and I see they've got a trampoline, and it's like it's it's on it's it, it's on the slabs on the concrete. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so what happens if the if they fall off the trampoline by accident and they land on the on the concrete or the slab? Yeah. It's like you never even thought about that. Um, so that's why I think lawns are essential when you have stuff like that. Uh, or you should be putting a net around the trampoline, yeah, kind of safety net all the way around that you can get to, uh, to bolt on and add on to. Um, I think that's essential. Uh, and it's also for, you know, it's like, well, I don't know about you, but it was like you used to do cartwheels in the garden. You used yeah. to roll over in the garden. If you had a garden on a slope, you used to go on your edge and just roll down the hill and all the rest of it and just roll all the way down the hill and it was all these just exciting things and camping as well as classic for that so you get your tent out in the back garden and you were out there during the night it's you know it's like your mum and dad popping their head out every five saying you're right it's like yes just leave me alone so I'm, I'm see see how i'm reminiscing and and, and remembering all this. yes i'm all right go away mum <laughs> yeah, you definitely need a lot of space for all, for all these activities, especially if you've got a family home and kids and, and pets and things. But uh, yeah, it's important to have that space and it's important to and have... by the way, that's even at 55-year-old, I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's important to have uh, maybe like a lounge or dining space where the family could come together as well. Uh, maybe for like outside eating and things. I don't. I know. I know we don't have the best weather, and we we have that limited amount of weeks throughout the year. Listen, no, uh, but people do like to make the most weather. We've, we've got the best weather, Richard. According to Weber Barbecues, you can go into their website and you can see <clears> this. But I went on a Weber Barbecues course right when I was down at the big feast wall, Jamie Oliver yeah. and Alec James. And <laughs> um, so I was down there and we went on that course. And and Weber actually said the Scottish weather is the best weather for barbecues. And everybody goes what. We've got no sunshine, and they actually said sunshine is the worst weather for barbecues. Said you could actually be barbecuing in the rain or at winter because in you've the got rain? A huge, yeah, you've got a well. When you think about it, you're closing the top because it's an oven, so whether barbecues are an oven, they've got temperatures on them and everything. So you should treat your barbecue like an oven. And when uh -huh. it comes in through the bottom, it takes a lot of moisture in the air, so therefore it doesn't dry out the the, the meat inside. Um, because it, we've got a huge amount of humidity and moisture in the air. And that's why they say the Scottish weather, and especially winter and, and raining season, um, is the best weather to actually barbecue. So often I would, I'm would i starting to tell people in blogs and blogs when I go around houses, when they've got summer houses, it's an ideal location. Yeah. I talk about the, the, the Weber barbecue and the story they told me. Um, but that's straight from the horse's mouth. Um, that is the best season to barbecue. And mm -hmm. I kind of think so. And it's a great excuse for a booze up out the back garden in winter. <laughs> Just going to say, we'll be, we'll be smelling the barbecues or the fences in November. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing is, often people don't do that because they think that's not normal. You know, mm -hmm. the, the old thing about, oh, what, they've got their barbecue in winter? Who cares? Get it up them. Get the barbecue and get all year round usage of it. <laughs> but yeah, well, speaking of things like barbecues and with the trampolines and and, and just a uh, kit and things like that, and also gardening tools and things. It's important to have a shed, I think, as well, as, a, as an important thing to have in a garden, to store all these things in, and uh, also to utilise as a space as well. I mean, whether kids use it to play in. I mean, I yeah. always remember mm -hmm. playing in my granddad's shed and all his stuff was in there. Um, or even for, for, like, even for parents and us to escape to. Do you know what I mean? We've got sheds and, and summer houses and things now as well. Um, so they're all quite good things to have in the garden, especially a family garden. 
I used to spend hours on end with my granddad's shed when we went yes, to visit him in Newport. All the time. He had a he had a vice in there, he had all the tools, the hammers, the chisels, everything like that. And I used to sit and make stuff all the time. I, I mean it's a it's a it's a lost art now. Um, yeah. a lot of a lot of children don't actually get involved in that. Um and and then when they grow up, they don't understand how to fix things. They don't understand mm -hmm. how to just do general DIY. But that was a that for me that was a godsend. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. I just loved going down there and, and doing everything. And then he would show me how to make stuff and uh, and you know just things like we windmills and and you know all these different things that you would make. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's a huge learning lesson. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great for having shed for toys and tools and all the rest of it. But great as a workshop as well. Eh? Um, yeah. Secure fencing, secure all fencing, and, and yeah, and I think that you've got if you've got kids and pets and things. It needs to be fenced in or and and, and secure, and have if you've got a gate at the side. I've got a gate at the side of my house. I've got to lock on it and things for the dog. And then um, stick the latch up at the top yeah, so you can reach it, but the kids can't reach it. But yeah. make sure that they kind of climb up and actually get it because that's mm -hmm. what I used to do. Safety you know, again. Like yeah, and so so put it on the other side possibly. Of, of the actual gate so they can't get it so the outside if that makes if that makes sense i know yeah. it would let somebody else in but it's another option to do that um because because those hey listen they're clever <laughs> remember they'll work it out how to do it if you if you let them away with it so yeah. it's all these wee things that will make a fundamental difference so a family garden really it fulfills all the needs and, and the whole household and can really seal the deal for um for the parents can it yeah, I think, and I think it's really important if you've got a family home and your target audience is a, a family or uh, working professionals with kids and things, then these are the things that you're going to need for them to enjoy their time um, out with their working hours and spend time together as a family. So, yeah, very important things. What about high earners then? You know, what, what would you do if, if somebody's a, a high earner? How would you, how would you, would you style the garden differently? Would you do yeah, I mean, the, I mean, there's, there's so much more to a garden than just plants and lawns and patios. Uh, if you want to attract like an affluent professional tenant um, and a promise of like luxury lifestyle, yeah. they, there are many ways to uh, elevate a garden um, and experience a whole new level, um, create an all year round retractable canopy or something, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. these things. Um, and that provides shade in the summer uh, and protection for the rain uh, and, and months that obviously we have rain in months that it's not cold outside, but we've got rain. So yeah. you're kind of yeah. opening that up to enjoy the space. Whatever the most most of the time, you find that um, our season is put off a lot more by the wind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the wind that gets us every single time. So if you've got something that could be a windbreak, um, that could be an ideal opportunity because when so most of the time when you take the wind away, it's absolutely it's, it's roasting, absolutely mm -hmm. roasting. We used to do it a lot of the times when we were in Spain. It's like we had the whole beach to ourselves in, 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 mm -hmm. in October. And all the Spaniards are walking past going, must be British, because we're sitting there a luxury lifestyle because it's like 20, 20 degrees. And But the thing is, um, we were we're on the Atlantic, and so the breeze comes off the Atlantic and catches you. But all we did was we bought a 799 um, windbreak out of uh, Lidl's and took yeah. it with us. We just took it over with us and we've left it there and we just put the windbreak up and it's like, flipping heck, this is like Barbados. Um, yeah. Because the sun's beaten down and the wind's no longer there, so it's it's, it's brilliant. Or even a brolly, a lot of people put their brollies as well. So it's another thing that you could actually do in a back garden: just get a, a windbreak or, or yeah. build build something like plants around that would possibly um, uh, um, mimic that as well and be actually in keeping with the area. 
Um, that would be a really good idea, wouldn't it? We've just uh, we just recently done that for uh, my, my mum's. She's got uh, like a, a pergola canopy thing at the back. We put the, the bit up the side to stop the wind. And uh, she's also got a, a fire a sh- the chimney and she's got the, the, the heater. And it's, it's brilliant. See, when you sit out there, it's just like you're, you've no wind because you're, you're sheltered. Uh, you're covered for the rain. And obviously the heater and things there when it gets a wee bit uh, later on. We sat there last night. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it's just a, a brilliant space to enjoy outside. And it's basically become another room. Um, and that's ultimately what you want to try and achieve. But yeah, fire pits and these infrared heaters and things are quite popular now. Yep. Um, yeah. Just to take that chill off that, and, and let you sit out that wee bit later as well. Um, and again, obviously, lighting and creating different zones with lighting. Lighting's so important, but like you say, you, it's, it's a wee bit hard to judge with these new solar lights and do I buy cheap, do I buy uh, more expensive and things. But lighting could give it a, a, a real luxury kind of uh, feel. And definitely creates another space for enjoying, uh, enjoying the, the different moods and zones and things within the garden, um, and that's definitely something that I think is important. Yep. Uh, and then it, and and then, and the the the, uh, the design of the screens things like you see obviously windbreakers now you get these kind of uh, like in these Love Island villa type things with these screens and they they, they create quite a on trend feel as well, but they're practical because they're obviously like. Uh, the their windbreakers and things like you said so I think they're all important things and then obviously the popular thing that everybody done through uh, lockdown was built an outside bar <laughs> I think everybody's got these bars at the bottom of the gardens now well I know you don't but <laughs> I'm a cheap state how do they do things like that because like, I just think to myself it's not going to be there that long uh, and I'll probably end up I'll probably take it away or I'll probably knock it down and probably wish I'd never done it because it takes up another space which I could have used, and so I'm yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of sparse in terms of how I do things. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I kind of get out of the mentality, Richard, about like if I spend money on that, I don't get money. In. I don't <laughs> yeah. get to invest in that, and it goes back to the opportunity cost thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I spend money on that, how much is I'm going to have to forego with the money I could have invested in that and made even more money? Um, and a lot of people think, oh, well, it's like, you know, spend it while you've got it and you're only here once and everything like that. But I, I just think about general generational wealth all the time. I yeah. just think about passing on to my kids and making sure my kids are fine and making sure they are, they don't have to go through the, the same situations of, as, as I've gone through. Um, uh, and, and it makes it easier for them, that's all. So that's that's the that's the compromise, I think, every single time. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm lucky because I get the benefit of my friends that stay in the next street. Uh, they converted the garage and it's, uh, it looks brilliant uh, and to yeah. be fair they done it they done it relatively cost uh, like it wasn't too expensive they didn't blow the budget and you see people spend thousands on these things and it's ridiculous so yeah i get the benefit of using theirs so that's fine but i mean apart from that barbecuing areas and and things that are uh, used to kind of come together and sit and um, are made from stone and things and, and uh, brick and these are all low maintenance areas which could be utilised as well. I think they're really important. Um, and they polycarbonate, polycarbonate and plastic as well is a good one, but, um, you know, from recycled furniture, recycled product. Um, mm-hmm. So, that, you know, that's quite a popular thing because it lasts and it's all weather as well. Um, yeah. Whereas if you get timber seating and stuff like that, then it's constant maintenance, constant painting. Uh, you know, if, you, if, if anybody leaves it out in, the, in all weathers, it, it's going to get destroyed at some point in time. No matter what happens, because we've got all these timber things over the years, no matter what they say about it's all weather stuff and it's pressure treated with chemicals to stop it happening, it always rots. It yeah. always rots. 
Um, so it's it's up utter rubbish. It's like uh, Kim, what it's like? It's like the it's like the it's like the aerial or personal adverts. It's like your whites are always white. How the hell? No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you never get your whites that whiter after being in the dirt. Get away. You're having a laugh. You're pretending. I, I just love <laughs> to be behind the scenes and know what to do. It's like, although like these shirts aren't good enough, like let's change them for brand new ones. Yeah. And funny you say that. I was actually speaking to one of the landlords just the other day about uh, the debting and things, and she's doing doing the garden and sorting things. And we spoke about the composite, uh, the composite yeah. decking yeah. and things, which is like really expensive. I mean, if you buy it um, and and for a large area, it can become. I mean, you're talking. It. Sometimes it runs into thousands, and it's like that's ridiculous. But it's low maintenance. You don't need to. You know, it doesn't need to obviously painted every year and things. And I think it's fine if you've got a small space, then you could keep that relatively cost-effective. But uh, to do a big, massive decking and composite would cost. Well, there's an argument. There's an argument, Richard. It depends if it adds that significant value to your property. And, well, and I suppose I, it would. I have seen people go to town um, with with their landscaping, and it, and it's like about twenty grand. But I tell you what. I'm I'm convinced on some occasions it actually has added more value to the property because mm -hmm. it's it's rather than do the halfway thing, whereas is it an outside space that I could use all the year round or is it not an outside space I could use all year round? Um, it's clearly defined because they've put a lot of investment into it as an outside yeah. space they can use all year round because they've got maybe one of these big huts that you'll sit round the fire inside and you'll all enjoy yourself with a glass of wine or a whiskey or something like that while you're barbecuing. Um, in the middle of any any time of year, um, mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. So they've actually gone to town, and I mean, one of these cuts are like seven grand or eight grand, but but it has the investment has recouped itself because when they've gone to sell, they've got an astronomical astronomical offer over the asking price. Um, I don't know whether that's relevant for rentals, but if you're doing really really high end, uh, mm -hmm. and, and then potentially that could add significant value to what what you've got in terms of proposition plus the fact of your intent to move back into it at some point in time in the future because you may be relocated because we do have that eh, where people yeah. work in they're in the forces and then they've got to go somewhere else and they're posted somewhere else so they've got to go down south or they've got to go overseas for a certain amount of time maybe three or four years and then they come to us and say look you know can you rent it for that period but obviously there's a, 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 a the right type of tenant for that type of property so we'll find that person put it in property look after it when they come back then they redecorate the whole house cap at the whole house um you've got all the outside space which is all still manageable because the people have actually looked after it you've made sure yeah. of that and uh job done that's uh, yeah. it's worked perfectly for them um so uh, often often that is the case where the outside spaces are as is, is defined as as you said as you know a bar or or a barbecue area, or proper deck and proper investment, and and everything like that. But but they're actually moving back into it. That's why that's why they're not bothered about the the cost. Whereas if it's yeah. pure investment return and you've no intention of moving into it, and it's just basically for investment purposes, then you would probably think to yourself, would I actually get the right return back on that? Um, because it, it might not add value when it, when the surveyor comes round. Um, for example, if you were going to remortgage and you had your outside space done, they would go, ah, okay, but it's not that much amount of value. Whereas if a buyer comes around and says, I'm going to buy it, they'll probably tend to pay significantly over the home report value. Yeah. And that's where the value is added, but it won't be added if you tried to get and it in the actual valuation. Yeah. yeah, and the actual valuation came through. So it's, it's that trade-off that you've got to work, which is best for you. Um, yeah, we you know, do have... Um, sorry, centered up. No, we do have one like that. We do have one like that just now, and it's a, it's a higher end one. It's quite a high value rental one, but um, 
that's ultimately going to be their, their property in the years to come. Uh, and they've, they've spent a wee bit, obviously, landscaping the garden and things. It was a new build, so the garden yep. was kind of just plain. But they're happy to do that because they know in years to come they're going to be living there. Um, and it keeps, I mean, tenants really happy. They've got quite, it's quite a high-end finish. They are paying quite a premium uh, rent for it and things. But that's exactly that scenario that you're talking about. But you tend uh, to find that if you provide stuff like that, then people will look after the garden. If you provide a, a rental property in the beginning, the garden's just like not really the first priority on your list about looking after it. Then yeah. when the when the when the tenant does move in and takes it over, uh, guess what they're going to do with the with the with the garden as well? They're going to treat it exactly the same. More than likely, that's what happens 99 times out of 100. Um, you'll get the yeah. odd tenant who'll actually go, can I landscape it? And you're like, geez, where did you come from? Happy days. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, you know, just um, a tenant actually puts investment in the property. And you do get these people now and again who actually, I want to put a new kitchen in. Would you help me or contribute towards it? I yeah. no bother. Um, but they're few and far between these people. Um, but, but you know, you're absolutely right. Um, making, a, making that effort investment return is probably the way to think about it. But you can give people guidance on that, can't you? Yeah, um, I mean, there's all the right level of luxury. I mean, yeah. the key is here to get you out to look at it with them, um, um, and then you'll be able to decide what market they should be going for, how much rent they can get in that, and then, you know, if, if you want to go to this stage, then how much rent you would you get for that? And then you can let them work out of which, which return is best for them and yeah, which scenario that. is best for them as well. And, and that's that's the whole point of getting you out in the first place. Yeah, and engage that on an individual basis, depending on the property and, and what the, the rent is and, and your, your target audience and things like that. And there's all different factors. And yeah, if anybody, feel free to come to me direct, message on gear, uh, message me direct on socials or, or, or email yeah. me. You know, you know, I'm always amazed. It, it, it always amazes me um, how many people actually wait till they're ready to rent a property or they're ready to sell a property. And then they say, I better get that person out now to put okay. it on. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You should be getting your estate agent, your letting agent, or anybody you're you're thinking about doing something for out way before you've made these decisions about, you know, whether you're selling it or whether you're letting it. And and the reason for that is because you can get the facts so you can decide before you start. Imagine going the journey of renting and selling, and you see the tree at the bottom here. This is where you this is where you would probably get someone out. This is what I'm talking about. Get someone out of this stage. Because what happens is if you choose one or the other, you go this way, that way, this way, that way, this way, that way, and then they're wide apart renting and sales. And then what happens is uh, you then get somebody out of the sales, and then they and and then it almost turns out like, oh, you should have rented. Uh, oh, right, okay. Um, so what? See the amount of the the gap it's created here, yeah. and and it's like, well, wait a minute, you should you no, you should have rented. Um, and it's mm -hmm. like, and you know, you should have rented, and you think, God, I wish I'd got you earlier down yeah. here. And that's that's the key there. So it's important um, for everybody out there and watching, you know, or listening in on the podcast, um, get a specialist out in that subject, in that field, before you start that journey, just yeah. so you know what you're doing. And no, it's a man thing more than likely. It's just like, I don't want to ask directions. I know where I'm going, even though you don't know where you're going. Um, but it's, it, it's like that mentality when it comes to this. It's like, oh, I know what I'm doing, definitely. It's like, but you don't know what you don't know. And that's what we know. And that's how we can tell you what we know. So you will know what you what we know. Um, and then you can make your decisions based. And and often the people that win most of the time in buy to let and also in property sales are the people that get us out way before it. Way before, just when they've decided I'm either going to let or I'm going to sell or or one or the other. 
and then they'll get us out, and then we can give them the best advice. And often, we could save you an absolute fortune. I mean, I've saved I know, and, about um, 10 grand, 10 and 20 grand for people without actually having to do anything to a property. Um, and it's like, oh, I was going to do this, I was going to do that, I was going to extend upstairs, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing? It's like, no, this house will sell as it is. Oh, really? I, I didn't realise. It's like, aye, and it'll sell for this price, and I think mm -hmm. I could get this. And like, wow. And 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 often, 99 times out of 100, I'm absolutely right. But that's what yeah. I'm here for, and that's what you're there for. That's the whole point. Yeah, and I think for me, I, I, like if you're an investor and you're building a portfolio, and as you as you do as you get your purchases, as soon as you get the keys, whether it's me or whether it's an agent you're using elsewhere or whatever, but get them out that day or the next day and see like mm -hmm. this is what I've just got. This is this is what uh, I'm planning to do, or what do you think I should be doing? I, and and I, I do that quite a lot, and, and have a walk around and say, right, do this, do that, and they're like, well, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, don't need to do that. Save yourself the expense. Uh, and then when we get to outside spaces like gardens and things that we're discussing, like, it's a really good space out here. Uh, keep the lawn, obviously, tidy up this area, keep it low maintenance. And, and there are the things that we talk about. And like you say, yeah, things that can yeah. save people money uh, and give you the best guidance on, on, on how to uh, have the property ready for whether it's a family or whoever your, your, kind of, your target audience is. But yeah, definitely get a professional out as soon as possible mm -hmm. to help you through that process. Uh, and like you say, it could save you. It could save you sometimes thousands. Uh, I mean, I've seen people going to go into somewhere and wrap the entire kitchen out and do things. And I'm like, you don't need to do all that. I mean, you could you could save yourself money here and and get this uh, place turned around quicker. Um, I think one of yours, Jim, recently as well. We got a quote for the refurb, and and I'm like, that's far too high. Was, I went, uh, I went uh, done a walk the through. Refurb, uh, refurb how much? Twenty-two. And what did you cut it down to? Um, well, excluding the additional fee, but it was just over 10. I took about 10 grand off it. So you took about 10 grand off that, that and, and there was no reason to do, and, and that's exactly why you're here, because, <laughs> for that very reason, because it's like anybody who didn't have that knowledge would just go, oh, right, I, okay, then just go ahead and do the 22 yeah. grand because it's got to be done. And then you just like, no, 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 you didn't need to do that. It's this, that, and that, and you can do this instead of that, and you can do that instead of this, and this instead of that. And that's exactly how, you know, to shave £10,000 off it. Worth yeah. its weight in gold. Yeah, I think one of the ones was the, the kitchen, and I went in the kitchen solid. It was a perfect kitchen. It's still contemporary. One of the doors yeah. need to put back on. I say just put a new oven extractor, new floor in, do the walls, and leave the kitchen as it is. Cut, yeah. th cut thousands of it because they were ripping the whole thing out and it didn't need it. So, but yeah, and that's exactly like you say. Let's talk about sunshine and shady. You know what are you yeah. thinking? You know, sunshine or shade. Yeah, I mean, well, any outside space could look fabulous. Um, I mean, depending on whether it's got natural levels of light, um, yep. you can perfect the design with the right low maintenance materials and plants. Again, mm -hmm. it depends on obviously. It doesn't need to be some sunny uh, corner of the garden. If you've got shady areas, you could make the most of them as well. Um, implement colourful flowers and things. Um, and so have some fun with random planting and uh, magical uh, stylized like meadows of colour and things uh, in areas that maybe didn't get a lot of, uh, of sun. Um, check things like the Royal Horticulture They've got the top 10 wildflowers and things on there. Um, I mean, be careful do we, with planting flowers and things. Don't go crazy because then, like you say, it takes it away for low maintenance. But implementing that wee bit of colour to try and bring up uh, shaded areas and things that maybe didn't get a lot of sun. Um, Shady gardens don't have to be dull. Um, and look at things like um, like the rainforest floor. 
it doesn't get a lot of sun, but obviously it's got like ferns and things. There's and it still looks like really lush and do you, yeah, know, you, can, yeah. you could recreate some some kind of well, uh, things like that in your garden. What you find is um, in any situation the plants adapt to the environment they're in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, the classic example of that is you go out to you go to Spain and the grass out in Spain is completely different from the grass in yeah. in this country, and yet they're both probably the same strain of grass, but they've evolved over the years to the climate they're in, used to, and they've mm -hmm. adapted and changed to that climate. Um, it's a, you know I was amazed. It's like God, it's like I mean some of the grass in Spain is like astroturf. And the mm -hmm. way it's the way it is under your feet, and yet you come here and it's like cotton wool mm -hmm. <laughs> in our country. Um, so completely different uh, options. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. They adapt to that environment. That's that's quite a good uh, point you brought up there. Is, is just as you mentioned astroturf, and I've seen that becoming something in people's gardens now. I don't know how I feel about astroturf. I like real grass, but then astroturf's quite low maintenance, and everybody that's that I've spoke to that's got astroturf love it. And it's halfway between being paved and actually mm -hmm. having grass. So yeah. you've, you've got that. It is the low maintenance thing you're talking about. Um, and, and, you know, uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, the guy had two hoovers in his house. And I went, it's just going to say, people hoover it. One for the astroturf. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, you hoover the back garden. And they went, yeah, we just hoover the back garden. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, astroturf one that uh, I see crop them up quite a lot. But I mean, natural finishes like stone and terracotta and brick and things, uh, they're all timeless. Uh, and they're the perfect maintenance free. Um, uh, planters and seaters and bound for boundaries and things as well. So avoid plastic containers, I think, as well. Plastic yeah, yeah. pots and things fade in the sun. And on a day like today, I mean, they just uh, uh, over time they'll just discolour and things. So, um, oh, Andrea, I didn't know you had astroturf. Um, so yeah, great to hear yeah. and tell us that it's brilliant. I mean, people, everybody I speak to say it's brilliant, but I just I, I do like real grass, although mine's is a pain because my dog keeps on digging it up. But anyway, that's another story. But um. But yeah, but yeah, plastic things and, and cheap uh, plastic planters and things maybe aren't a great idea. They do discolour, they'll make the place look, um, obviously when they're faded and things, that make it look quite um, unattractive and potentially spoiling yeah, the they, they They break down over the years, don't yeah. they? And they become very brittle. Um, and mm -hmm. then you just hit them once and they're like the crack. And it's like, if you leave them, it's just like, it doesn't look great. Uh, and then you get all the weeds, and then all of a sudden, these beautiful pots you had in the beginning turn into, you know, like weed nightmares. You know, yeah. they just they just look horrible. Um, all the wee moss on it, and all the way around, it's like you could tell I've got some of them in my garden. Eh? <laughs> I've got a couple of them. <laughs> but yeah, stick to nice, stick to nice stone and terracotta pots and planters and things. They look really nice, and like you say, I like to say they're timeless. Um, and also, I think for fences and things to keep. An area looking fresh, obviously have it painted in a, a, a nice fresh colour. But yeah. it's always pays dividends to get um, quite a good quality paint that's going to last a wee bit longer. Um, and obviously these kind of products and, and use the right primers and things under them as well. They'll stand the test of time. Uh, obviously we get an array of sun, rain and weather and things. So you need things to be able to take uh, quite a barn with the weather. and, and Preparation is key, isn't it? It's yeah, just and making sure you've primed it properly, making sure you've coated it properly, making sure you've sealed it properly. Uh, and it's often people just go for the one quick fix. I tell you what, I'll just get one coat paint. And mm -hmm. then they just put one coat paint and it's like, no, nah, it just doesn't work. It's like, yeah. it, it's easy, it's maybe quick for you, but any anything worth doing takes a bit of effort and time to do it uh, mm -hmm. and resource. Uh, and then, they, you know, it will pay dividends later on. 
you know, we're coming back to the old investment scenario, isn't it? Yeah. You put all the work in the beginning to a proper investment, mm-hmm. and then all the work's done in the beginning, like writing a book, and then it starts to pay dividends, and the, you don't really do that much work after it's all up and running um, until the next point, where it, and you just constantly maintain it over that period of time. So that's kind of like proper investment. It is like, you know, yeah. pre- preparing it in advance first, and and as I say, like writing the book, and then after that, it's royalties, quids in. Anyway, preparation's key, and it's the same. It applies to everything. Um, but definitely. So, um, yeah, I think the main thing for me today is I'm going to be smelling people's barbecues across the fence in November. It'll be good. Let's start a trend on Instagram when we get to that time of year. We'll start posting uh, Instagrams, uh, you know, hey, barbecues out the day. <laughs> and we're all sitting in our, in our like, cagoules and everything. And it's like uh, outside, but the barbecue's going away. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah for me um, for me today I think the the point that I, uh, I think was really important is that um, preparation is key, but uh, involved in that preparation, have a professional come and advise you whether it's your garden or your property as a whole or just the whole investment uh, side of things. Always prepare and have somebody that's advising you that knows what they're talking about. It could save you a lot of money. Um, and if if it's if it's the garden that you're looking for advice on, then. A lot of what we spoke about today is relevant, but make sure it's low maintenance and make sure that um, it's an enjoyable space for whether it's just a small balcony for a, a couple in an apartment or whether it's for a big family garden with lawns and and uh, and uh, seating areas and barbecue areas and things. Um, but I'm here uh, all the time to uh, advise people, whether it be the garden or the property as a whole. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Oh, we're hardwired for nature, aren't we? Really. <clears throat> Pandemic's given us that idea, but you know it's now a usable outside living space, like Linda said. Yeah. Um, so people have actually are now indoctrinated into treating it like that. Um, I, I think that's the key. So um, as a as an investor, as a landlord, my best advice to anybody out there is make sure your garden's up to speed, uh, just yeah. as much as your property, because it is so disappointing sometimes when you've done your property at a real high standard. You walk out the back garden, it's like no effort's been put into it at all yeah it's like it's got all the old clippings because you've no even bothered to pick it up or rake it um and it's like oh there they go there's the garden with a rickety old fence half fallen down or it's fallen down to the neighbor's garden so just put as much effort into that as you put into renovating your house um yeah. if, if that's the start of your vital journey to make sure that it's done properly in the beginning the garden and it could be, be done at a really low cost as you said you know you know taking 22 grand down to about 10 grand in cost for me is, yeah. And so you obviously know what you should be doing and and how you should be doing it, and that's why that's why you're managing my properties. That's it, really, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to bust the bank uh, to make somewhere look nice. And gardens can really drag down a property if they're not nice. It could be nice inside, and you've got a horrible garden. It could put people off. Um, yeah. So they are yeah. more important than you think. Um, keep them low maintenance. Keep it looking fresh and weeds and grass uh, maintained. And that's really. The main things I think with the garden, but we've covered quite a lot of other topics today, which I think is great. And perfect. Um, is that yeah, yeah. Okay, that's me. Right. Brilliant, Jim. Well, thanks for joining me this morning. And bye from, from him. And bye from him. Got you. You know what? I'm usually on, I'm usually See, on the other side. You, point yeah. the, you always point in the opposite direction from where you're going. You just go, right, go that way. Just didn't think about it. Just go, I'll go this way. <laughs> oh, you caught me that one this morning. Right, anyway, right, thanks for joining me. Bye, guys. Bye.